Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 15. Children of Israel had gone and had warred against Jericho. And then they'd gone up against Ai and had been defeated. And God said, Achan has coveted things that have prevented God's blessing from going with you. And so uh, they, had, they dealt with Achan and actually stoned him for his sin. He had coveted and stolen what was dedicated to God. Um, Ananias and Sapphira coveted part of the money that they sold for their land that was dedicated to God. Uh, Peter said, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? Uh, and God struck them dead, both Ananias and Sapphira, different occasions, uh, because they had coveted and lied to the Holy Spirit. Rachel coveted her father's idols, if you remember that story. She took her father's idols with her. Uh, that's a story nobody would include unless it were true, <laughs> right? Uh, and she, uh, she, she takes them when Jacob takes his, his family off secretly from Laban. Laban comes and he's angry. Give me my gods. Now, it's kind of funny that your god can be stolen and stashed in a pouch somewhere and taken off, but... Um, but anyway, uh, that caused uh, problems for the family, and their hearts were kind of led astray. At one point, they had to deal with the idolatry in their family. And so covetousness can cause all kinds of trouble and difficulty in our lives, and it leads to all kinds of other sins. The scripture that we're going to look at today uh, deals with two individuals, Naaman, who is grateful for salvation, uh, and uh, is generous in his heart toward the Lord as he's received God's grace. And Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, who said, you know what? I think I'd like to have some of that money Elisha refused. And so he, he runs after Naaman, and he lies to him. And he tells him, Elisha sent me, and there's two prophets that have come to him that need some things, and uh, please give me some things. And he describes what he needs, and Naaman gives him more than he asked for and sends a couple of men with him to uh, help carry the, the different things. And, and Gehazi tells him where to stash the stuff. And the men return to, to Naaman. And Gehazi goes in and stands before Elisha as if nothing had changed, nothing was wrong. And Elisha says, where have you been, Gehazi? And uh, he kind of hems and haws and, oh, I've not been anywhere, you know, uh, uh, depending on how you translate it. I've been here and there. <laughs> could, could be. Uh, but uh, either way, he's being evasive. He won't answer the question. He's trying to deceive Elisha. And Elisha says, Didn't, wasn't I there with you when Naaman stepped out of that chariot and I heard what you said and what you did? Is it the time to receive these gifts? The leprosy of Naaman will now cling to you. And... Gehazi leaves Elisha's presence, leprous, covered in leprosy, and never again enters the service of the Lord. It's a pretty shocking story, uh, not something that you would expect, but 
It just goes to show us that covetousness can, can sneak up on any of us. Um, this is one of the Ten Commandments, and it's the one that's the hardest to keep. All of the other commandments are done in some way outwardly, uh, but covetousness is a matter of the heart. And if, if you covet, it leads to other sins. And so, uh, the New Testament tells us, be content with what you have. Uh, for the Lord has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So I want to talk to you about the danger of covetousness. We need to repent of any covetousness and ask God through the power of the Holy Spirit to help us live contented lives of faith in God. The danger of covetousness. Look with me at verse 15. It says, Then Naaman and his whole company went back to the man of God, stood before him and declared, I know there's no God in the whole world except in Israel. Therefore, please accept a gift from your servant. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives in whose presence I stand, I will not accept it. Naaman urged him to accept it, but he refused. Naaman responded, If not, please let your servant be given as much soil as a pair of mules can carry, for your servant will no longer offer a burnt offering or sacrifice to any other god but the Lord. However, in a particular matter, may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master, the king of Aram, goes to the temple of Rimmon to bow and worship while he is leaning on my arm, and I have to bow in the temple of Rimmon, when I bow in the temple of Rimmon, may the Lord pardon your servant in this matter. So he said to him, Go in peace. After Naaman had traveled a short distance from Elisha, Gehazi, the attendant of Elisha, the man of God, thought, My master has let this Aramean Naaman off lightly by not accepting from him what he brought. As the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something from him. So Gehazi pursued Naaman. When Naaman saw someone running after him, he got down from the chariot to meet him and asked, Is everything all right? Gehazi said, It's all right. My master has sent me to say, I have just now discovered that two young men from the sons of the prophets have come to me from the hill country of Ephraim. Please give them 75 pounds of silver and two sets of clothing. But Naaman insisted, please accept 150 pounds. He urged Gehazi and then packed uh, 150 pounds of silver in two bags with two sets of clothing. Naaman gave them two of his attendants who carried them ahead of Gehazi. When Gehazi came to the hill, he took the gifts from them and deposited them in the house. Then he dismissed the men and they left. Gehazi came and stood by his master. Where did you go, Gehazi? Elisha asked him. He replied, your servant didn't go anywhere. And my heart didn't go when the man uh, got down from his chariot to meet you, Elisha said. Is this the time to accept silver and clothing, olive uh, orchards and vineyards, flocks and herds and male and female slaves? Therefore, Naaman's skin disease will cling to you and your descendants forever. So Gehazi went out from his presence diseased, resembling snow. The danger of a coveting heart. What's the danger? Well, first of all, Covetousness causes us, first of all, to forget grace. Um, one of the amazing things about what's happened to Naaman, his whole life has been changed. God has done a wonderful work in his life, and it was done for free. Uh, nothing that Naaman could have done could have merited the grace of God that he received. And so Elisha refuses to take it to teach him. This is a gift of God's grace. 
But Gehazi uh, is like the cartoon character with the dollar signs in his eyes. <laughs> and he is not listening to the message of grace. He is concerned with lining his pockets with the money that Naaman had. Uh, and he missed the message of grace. Listen, I want to tell you something. God's grace is the most precious thing you could ever receive. More precious than money, more precious than anything this world has to offer. Uh, it is a gift of relationship with God. And um, I think of the, the man who is lame, who was healed of, being, of, of his lameness and was jumping and leaping and praising God and uh, just full of the joy of the Lord. And uh, they, they uh, kind of were giving him a hard time. But, uh, but he, he was rejoicing in the Lord because of what God did for him. Listen, when God frees you up in your spirit and forgives your sin and sets you free uh, from sin, and you're able to uh, do what God has called you to do, it's a wonderful thing, and uh, it's the measure of grace. Somebody said grace stands for God's riches at Christ's expense. Uh, we have the taste here, right? In relationship with God, we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. And one day, we'll receive the full blessings of God's grace that he gives through his son's death, Jesus Christ, and through his mighty resurrection. Um, this is God's gift to us. Uh, grace is something. Uh, Paul said, you know, he had some people that were opposing the message of grace, and he said, you know, I just really wish... These, uh, these people of the circumcision would just go ahead and finish the job. <laughs> you know, uh, if they're going to teach this nonsense, may they be accursed. Very strong language. Because he understood the critical nature of receiving God's grace by faith. This has always been the way people have been saved. It's always been the way that sins have been taken care of. Always been the way to heaven. There is no other way, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Naaman rejoiced in it. Gehazi ignored it because his covetousness was the controlling factor of his life, and he forgot the grace of God. So that's something we need to guard against. The danger of covetousness, first, it could cause us to forget grace, Secondly, it can cause us to question God. You look at verse 20. My master has let this Aramean Naaman off lightly. What's he thinking here? Has he lost his mind? There's an opportunity to get some dinero here. Um, what's going on? And so uh, Gehazi says, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to run after this guy, and I'm going to get what he ought to pay. And uh, he's questioning not just Elisha in his decisions, because who's Elisha getting his decisions from? The Lord. He's questioning God. Uh, isn't it interesting when covetousness is happening, often the enemy tries to get us to question God, right? Remember what he told Eve? Did God really say this? Right? What's he doing? Quit getting her to question the Word of God. Getting her to question what God says. Um, and oftentimes we do that on our own with, with rationalization. We question God. I heard uh, one uh, pastor share, he'd have 
college students come back to his church after being at college, and they say, I've lost my faith. And his response was, how long have you been sleeping with your girlfriend? Right? Because what they would do is they would desire, they would covet this relationship, and they would rationalize away the things that God says in order to participate in sin. Uh, oftentimes that's the case. I'm not saying it's always the case, but it's often the case. And so um, covetousness can cause us to question God. Thirdly, covetousness can cause us to pursue vanity. He says uh, in verse 20, As the Lord lives, I will run after him. He was pursuing Naaman. The covetous person is always pursuing something. And they're never satisfied. There's, there's, the only thing that can truly satisfy the heart of a man is a relationship with God. And the abundant life as Christians. Uh, that's one reason to confess sin and repent of sin. So you can enjoy the abundant life without quenching the Holy Spirit of God. We sin, we quench the Spirit of God. Uh, the abundant life is not there. So we confess it, we repent of it, we ask God to fill us with His Spirit so that we can live in that joy that God has given us as our heritage as Christians. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You can rejoice always if you have Him with you. Ask Paul and Silas. They did that in the jail, didn't they? So the danger of covetousness, it can cause us to forget grace, to question God, to pursue vanity. To embrace lying. Now he's already taken the Lord's name in vain. He says, as the Lord lives, I'm going to do this. So he's swearing by Yahweh's name that he's going to sin. He's taking God's name in vain. Well, now he's embracing lying. Verse 22, Gehazi says, it's all right. My master has sent me. No. Elisha didn't send him. He sent me to say, I've just now discovered two young men. No. No two young men exist. This is made up. Uh, please give them this amount and these clo- this clothing and so forth. And so all of this is fabricated on a lie. He's embracing lying now. Well, then uh, Naaman responds in verse 23. Please accept 150 pounds. So now not only has he forgotten grace, questioned God, Pursued vanity, embraced lying. Now he is stealing possessions. He says, uh, he urged Gehazi, and, uh, and, and, and Naaman gave these things. He packed the 100 pounds of, uh, 150 pounds of silver and two bags with two sets of clothing, and Naaman gave them to the two of his attendants who carried them ahead of Gehazi. And when Gehazi came to the hill, he took the gifts from them. These are things that don't belong to him. So now he's stealing. So covetousness has led him to lie. It's led him to take God's name in vain. It's led him to steal. You shall have no other gods before me. If you're stealing, you're putting possessions above the Lord, aren't you? So, uh, you know, it, I mean, it's just, it's just all over the map here. So... Um, the danger of coveting heart, it can lead you to do things outwardly that are sins against God because of the sin that begins in the heart. It also le- leads him to choose hypocrisy. 
He says, verse 25, Gehazi came and stood by his master. Where did you go, Gehazi? Elisha asked him. He replied, your servant didn't go anywhere. And so uh, uh, he, he's acting like everything is okay. You know, uh, I don't know if he's sitting there whistling, you know, acting, <laughs> acting like he's, everything's okay. He's just stolen. He's just frustrated uh, the purpose of, of Elisha and trying to, and the purpose of God in trying to reach uh, Naaman and show him, teach him about God's grace. Uh, and uh, there's all this sin in his life, and he's acting as though nothing's wrong. But God saw his heart. And God reveals it to Elisha. And Elisha says, I was there with you. I saw it. God showed it to me. Um, and so, uh, this hypocrisy is there. Uh, the, the Pharisees uh, had this same kind of situation going on. They uh, would raid widows' houses, right? And they'd say, we're doing this in uh, the name of the temple. <laughs> okay. Um, hypocrisy. And so, uh, they're stealing from widows, which God does not approve of, um, in order... Uh, to make themselves look religiously good and, and covering over their hypocrisy. But God always sees to the heart of where we are. And so that's why uh, the Bible says, He who covers his sin will not prosper, but he who confesses and renounces it will find mercy. So uh, no use in covering our sins up before God because he knows them already. Uh, instead, we confess those sins to God and we admit, Lord, I sinned when I fill in the blank. And, uh, and admit that to God. And ask God to change our hearts. Help me repent. Help me to honor you and live for you in the way that you desire. Um, so that you, uh, you know, if, if sinless perfection was necessary to come to the house of God, there would not be a one of us here. Uh, all of us are sinners. But there's a difference between somebody who is willfully persisting in sin and uh, trying to act like everything's okay, and then somebody who is struggling but confessing. God can work with the person who's confessing, and he can help the person who's confessing. Uh, sometimes we may even need to confess to a believer, a brother or sister in Christ, what's going on in our life so that we can have uh, some prayer support to help us break free from a pattern in our lives. But uh, we need to make sure that we don't cover over these things in our lives because it will quench the Spirit of God in our lives and uh, will cause us to miss God's best. So uh, the danger of a covenant heart uh, can cause, it, cause us to forget grace, to question God, to pursue vanity, to embrace lying, to steal possessions, to choose hypocrisy, and finally to oppose God. Uh, verse 26 Elisha says, is this the time to accept silver and clothing? Uh, olive orchards and vineyards, flocks and herds, and male and female slaves? This question is very important because it shows what Elisha is after. Um, did they offer offerings in Israel? Of course they did. Offerings of first fruit from the olive groves and Vineyards and all of these things. Yes, of course. Uh, that was part of the way that God had set up their culture to work. And, 
Uh, one of the ways he provided for the priests was through the offerings of the people. But in this case, Elisha says, look, is this the time to do this? And, and the point is this. God is trying to give a message of grace to a foreigner who understands nothing about God. And you are opposing the purposes of God. Um, that's why this was such a serious sin. It wasn't so much, even though his theft was wrong and his lying was wrong and his taking God's name in vain was wrong, all these things were wrong. Uh, the greatest sin was to murky the waters uh, that, uh, that Naaman, uh, God was trying to help Naaman understand grace. Did you know that's the one distinctive of Christian religion? It distinguishes us from every, every other religion in the world. I, I was reading this afternoon about uh, Muslims. And apparently Muslims believe that you can be very devout as a Muslim, but you can never be assured that you're going to heaven. Isn't that a sad thing? Even Muhammad said, how can I know that I'm going to heaven? Uh, we know. The, the price has been paid. Jesus paid the price at the cross. And so um, if we've repented and put our trust in Jesus, we know. It's the message of grace. God's riches at Christ's expense for us. As we repent and trust in Jesus Christ. There's no more critical message in this world than the message of grace. And God is trying to communicate to the nations. That was always his plan. What the message of grace and the gospel would be. As Gehazi opposes God's purpose and God's message... He is struck by the judgment of God with leprosy. And it reflects the condition of his heart. Naaman has gone away clean. Gehazi, with all his religious privilege, is now covered with leprosy. Religion doesn't get you to heaven. Uh, Gehazi was the prophet's, the main prophet of Israel's right-hand man. But it didn't get him to heaven. You need to repent and trust in Jesus Christ. It's the only way. Naaman simply trusted. He, at first he said, I'm not going down to that Jordan River. But he repented. He chose to do what God had called him to do by faith. And he dipped in that muddy Jordan seven times. And he came up completely clean. Hallelujah. <laughs> Isn't it a wonderful thing to know that when we repent and put our faith in Jesus, our sins are washed away? Uh, that's, a, that's a great, great, great message of God's grace. So don't let covetousness gain a foothold in your life. Um, We've mentioned a number of sins, really every single sin in the Ten Commandments and probably every sin period begins in the heart. Jesus said, out of the heart come murders and thefts and adulteries and so forth. Um, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's where our sins of speech come from. Um, our, our meditations in our hearts can be sins against God. We've, we've talked about that um, uh, at other times. And 
all of these things begin in the heart. So keep your heart with all diligence. I talked about that in the context of temptation a couple weeks ago. But it is still the case in the situation with covetousness. Guard against covetousness. And, and it's everywhere, right? Where advertising is intended to, to provoke your desire. And there's nothing wrong with, with saying, ooh, I'd like to have that, you know. But there is something wrong when that becomes something that you cannot be satisfied and content with your life because of something else that you want. That's, that's become covetousness. And it will steal your joy, and it becomes uh, idolatry in your life because you're saying, God, you're not enough. You're not sufficient. I've got to look elsewhere for this need in my life. And, um, and so, if covetousness is there, confess that to God, repent of it, ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit so that uh, you can truly honor God and be content in your, in your life. But the scripture says godliness with contentment is great gain. And so may that be the case for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, help us to be content in our lives and not to let uh, the bondage of covetousness uh, control us. God, help us to be faithful to trust you in our lives and to remember that you'll never leave us or forsake us. So we don't have to put our faith in riches. We put our faith in you. And uh, Lord, help us never forget the message of grace that you've given to us in Jesus Christ. And I pray, I pray that you'd help us make it whatever decisions we need to make tonight. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, if you're here tonight um, and you're a Christian, uh, I've given you uh, encouragement to confess your covetousness to God, repent of it, and ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit. If you don't know Christ, I think we do. I think we all know Christ here. But if you don't know Christ... Um, True satisfaction, if you've been looking and trying to satisfy, and you've been coveting this and that, uh, the only person who can truly satisfy yourself is Jesus. Um, Abraham allowed Lot to make a decision where he was going to go, and Lot chose the well-watered plain of Sodom. It looked great. It it was lush and uh, beautiful, and these uh, cities that uh, had prosperity and all these things. Uh, And Lot went towards Sodom. But as Lot left, God told Abraham, I am your exceeding great reward. And you find as as you follow God, he is the exceeding great reward that we look for. And so that would be my encouragement. If you don't know Christ, choose to surrender to him tonight and trust him to forgive you. Receive that eternal life. Uh, Just tell him, I receive it right now and I trust you to give it to me based on your promise. And he'll save your soul. We're dismissed.